Hello and welcome to the August 8th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a long-awaited edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to be with you today, and it's amazing to have you here with me. So, let's get right to it. We might as well get right to it, because uh, this has undoubtedly been the longest... uh, Longest amount of time that I have not podcasted. And I have to tell you that upon recording my introduction just now, which, you know, usually flows pretty well for me. I don't ever have to redo it. It just kind of flows off the tip of my tongue. It's a basic introduction. I talk about my neighborhood, my life. What I realized is I had to stop it and delete it probably about five or six times and redo it and not because i forgot of what i no i got the uh i got the date right it's august 8th 2018 that wasn't the problem the problem was and the reason why i had to delete it and record it over and over again is because my state of mind or let's let's not even necessarily call it a state of mind my voice my tone my introduction, the way I sounded, was reflective of how I've been feeling. And it, it sounded horrific. It sounded sad. It sounded listless, lifeless. I believe I said, welcome to the uh, August 8th edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Come on, everybody. We know that that is not Mr. Joe. And I am not going to lead into a podcast in that way. Uh, So I recorded it a few times. I edited it. And here we are. And for the first time ever, Mr. Joe is going to stay away from the topics of mental health for the most part. And I hope you bear with me on this one because I need my audience to listen to me and I need my audience to, to some extent, be compassionate with me. I need my audience to forgive me for not being here. And I think in the end you're going to understand it. And there will be a lesson to be learned here or a success story, so to speak, hopefully, in regards to mental health. And while I say that I'm not going to talk about mental health, we're going to talk about real life. We're going to talk about the struggles, the challenges, the things that face us in real life, whether we have bipolar disorder or not. And sometimes in life, our bipolar disorder causes us to do things that we completely regret. And then there are certain things in life that we have absolutely no control over, regardless of how our bipolar disorder is acting 
on that particular day or week or month. And in my case, I am going to tell you right now that I am 100% stable. I have been stable since the last podcast episode. And that is not the reason why I am talking to my audience today. I'm not talking to you about medication. I'm not talking to you about bipolar disorder. I might mention some anxiety. I might mention some depression in this podcast episode. But it's all going to be natural. Natural feelings that every person on the face of this earth feels. Regardless of whether or not you have a mental illness. Now, again, there's a lesson at the end because... What it comes down to is how we, with bipolar disorder, handle these life challenges, these unexpected twists and turns that might take place and throw us for a loop. So again, let's get right down to it. The uh, last time that I uh, recorded an episode, I had mentioned that I got a wonderful promotion at work. For those of you who have not listened to my episode before this, yes, I was promoted to the, um, I guess you could say, the second highest position in my company. That happened on a Monday. Uh, my, My boss called me into a room. She sat me down. She gave me the wonderful news that I'd be making close to, um, actually exactly $8,000 more in terms of my salary, which is a big bump up. Uh, Very exciting news. I gave her a hug. um, And I started to take on my new responsibilities. And Mr. Joe gets right down to work. I had a couple of things that I was interested in doing. First and foremost, I wanted to expand the applied behavior analysis for autism um, insurance program that's run. And although I do not oversee insurance, I said I am going to take on the task of developing an occupational therapy for autism, a component, a new department, let's say, in the sensory gym that we have in our location. So I took that on and I started making phone calls and before you knew it I was able to use my NPI number which is basically basically if you're a healthcare provider everybody every healthcare provider every doctor everybody who's in the health field has an NPI number that um identifies them so I was able to use that and start to create this awesome occupational therapy journey so to speak Started that on Tuesday, one day after my promotion. So Mr. Joe is trucking along here. and Then Wednesday, we actually had a department meeting. And in the department, there's myself, there's the senior director, there's the assistant director of insurance services, there's our clerical assistant, there are are about eight board-certified behavior analysts on board as well. Uh, We had a department meeting to announce my promotion, and it was great. We ordered lunch. I don't don't look for those things. I'm not interested in the recognition, but it was nice. We all got to talk. We got to laugh. We got to take a break from work, and in a sense, I was honored. I was honored because I received a wonderful promotion, one that I believe that I deserved after a period of seven years, seven years in a company. 
So Thursday came, and Thursday was an exciting day. I had a couple of interviews that were scheduled, and I got to tell you, they were actually great. I met some great new people that I am uh, I, I was going to put into the school system and have them provide consultation. I thought they were great, so hired them right on the spot. Um, and those interviews and my day kind of lasted, um, went, went very fast, I have to tell you. By the time 2.30 rolled around and I knew I had to leave at 3, um, you know, it was fast. It was already 2.30. I looked up at the clock and um, my day was just about done. And about 2.47 to be exact, and I know that only because I received a text message that I did not see originally from my boss. Now, I was so entrenched in the interviews and all the things that I was doing. I was uh, typing up contracts for the new consultants. And the text message read, hey, can you meet me in the room next door? Which actually happened to be a yoga room. Now, this yoga room, they were going to transfer into my office. They were going to take this big room and they were going to take myself and the assistant director and they were going to stick us in there, this brand new room make it beautiful for the two of us, but for the time being, it was still a yoga room. <laughs> so she, she texted me that, unfortunately, I didn't see it. So instead, she approached me at my desk, and she says to me, hey, could you come next door for a second? I said, sure. Now, usually when my boss calls me into a private room, it's to either vent about somebody or something that's gone on, uh, to discuss good things that are going on with the agency that uh, other people shouldn't really be hearing. Um, so I got up and I followed. And she closed the door behind us. And my boss's face began to get extremely red. <laughs> and when a face gets red, I know something's up because either that's her being embarrassed or nervous or it doesn't happen a whole lot with her, but... I, I saw it, and I said, whoa. I sat down. I said, what is going on? What's the problem? What's the matter? And she says to me, Mr. Joe, you have to leave. And I said, what are you talking about? She goes, I am so sorry, but I have to suspend you. And I said, what, what, what are you talking about? What, what, is, what is this about? She said, I just went upstairs, and I was going, because she was changing offices as well, she was going to deliver some of her stuff from her old office to her new office, as a matter of fact, we shared an office, it's not typical that you share an office with your boss, but we are so close that we shared one, and unfortunately, uh, because of her promotion, she had no choice but to go up to a different floor, and she says to me, upon moving some of her knickknacks upstairs, she was pulled in to the Human Resources Department by the COO and by the Director of Human Resources. And I said, okay, what is that supposed to mean? She said, Joe, somebody just called here and made an allegation about you. And I said, an allegation about what? I said, what are you talking about? And she said, I don't know. I have no idea. She goes, all I know is that you have to be suspended until they figure out what's going on and I'll call you in a few days and 
you know, we'll figure this all out, don't worry about it. And I've been down this road before. Unfortunately, being a man in this field and working with children, there are a lot of times that people, um, they're, they're not understanding what you do, especially when there's aggression taking place and you have to restrain children. Some of the approaches that I have to take in terms of sensory input, I will use massaging techniques. Obviously, we never do anything other than the arms and kind of the uh, deltoids and of the shoulders and um, some joint compression. All this is always in a behavior plan, and it's, it's, it's because children with autism a lot of times are either overstimulated or understimulated. And this massaging technique, and please, when I say massaging, it's not lay down and, and let Mr. Joe walk on your back. It's in front of everybody. It's, you know, uh, kind of just, I guess you could say, um, not an Indian burn, you know, but like almost like twisting the arm and squeezing the arm. And they love it. I've never come into, a, into contact with a, a, a child or an adult with autism that has it in their behavior plan that doesn't like that and it doesn't calm them. So something that works. Um, and, you know, but that, it could certainly be misconceived. There's no doubt about it. And immediately what I started to think was I had just been placed into a new school. Now, this school was the exact same class of students that I had been working with for about two years. But it was a different placement. It was because it was this summer. We had to go to a different school. And one of the first things that the principal, who I happened to be very close with also, even though it was a different school I had known, I know all these people in this particular district for a very, very long time. I'd go away with them once a year. The principal approached me before I went into the classroom, and she said, you know what, Mr. Joe? She said, do me a favor. Just be careful in here. There are a lot of parents that normally don't work in this school, and they kind of just come in for a summer job, and, you know, they don't have children with autism, they don't have a whole lot of experience, and I'm thinking to myself, well, that's great, you're putting these people with absolutely no experience with a classroom full of children with autism, who are aggressive, who are self-stimulatory, who are masturbating, who are dropping to the floor, biting, scratching, pinching, spitting. I said, okay. I, sh I said, well, what does that mean? She said, just watch what you say. She said, they're parents. And parents talk, and the last thing that you want to do is say something silly, and then they go back and tell another parent. And then before you know it, Mr. Joe's name is all around the school. And I said, all right, I'll watch it. Now, unfortunately, although Mr. Joe can keep his mouth shut with no problem, there are aggressive behaviors that take place in this classroom. And I had no choice in, in a few instances, and thank goodness they weren't, they weren't real hard restraints. As a matter of fact, they were all low-level restraint positions, which barely, uh, barely resulted in me using any restraint whatsoever. A few times I had to lift a young girl up, it was in her behavior plan. We had permission from not only the school, but her mom as well. It was a behavioral intervention that we were using, and unfortunately I was the only one strong enough to do it. But every time this young girl would drop, I would pick her up immediately to help her to understand that that's not acceptable. So that happened quite a bit. So now I'm in the room with my boss in the yoga room, and I'm saying to myself, oh my God, I'm saying, 
this has got to be, I, I mean, I was in this school or in this classroom. This I was in the school for a couple of weeks already, but it was my first time in that particular classroom. Although I worked with those kids for close to two years, the the parent classroom, let's call it that, with the parents that just kind of hang out in there and don't know a whole lot. I said, this is the first week I've been with them. Tuesday, Wednesday, I go, here we are, Thursday. Makes perfect sense. Somebody called on me because they don't get autism and they don't understand my job. And I said, all right. I said, I wouldn't worry about it. I said, call me when it's over. I said, not a big deal. You know, we'll get over it. So I got in my car and I drove home. And I called my wife and I said, you're not going to believe this. I said, I was suspended. Now, I don't know if I ever brought this up to my audience. About three or four years ago, I went through another suspension because some crazy lunatic of a man had the audacity to call up my place of employment and leave a message, an anonymous message, and he sounded extremely intoxicated. Uh, you could actually hear his computer in the background. It was very frightening and very freaky. And he actually left a message and said that Mr. Joe was running up and down the hallways with his penis exposed, trying to rape little boys and girls. Horrifying. And not we, we certainly didn't laugh at it. Okay? But my my company was so upset, not with me, with the fact that somebody would do this. And when anybody makes any kind of an accusation in the field of education, unfortunately, as ridiculous as it might sound, you got to look into it. You have to. It's just the way it works. And I kind of have a feeling I know what went down. There was a person that was employed at that particular job in my, in my company for 15 years, and I took over. She She was fired, and I took over one of the school districts that she happened to work in and they kicked her out and I swear to this day I believe that she got somebody to make that phone call with the hopes of getting me out and by God she did um, not that the school wanted me out the school was involved they said we love Mr. Joe We this is a ridiculous phone call we want him back we can't function without him bring him back And but my company decided not to send me back and it was actually a three-day suspension because they had to look into everything. They brought me back. It was a paid suspension, and that was it. Done and over with. So I called my wife on the way home. I said, you're not going to believe this. I got suspended again. And I'm saying to myself, God, every, like, four to seven years, I feel like somebody accuses Mr. Joe of something because I'm a man. I'm a man. And thank goodness it's never been sexual other than that horrific, horrible call. But it's always something that... You know, I'm holding a child too hard or restraining them too hard or, you know, because that's what I have to do. I'm a, I'm a certified crisis prevention intervention instructor. I know how to restrain children who are aggressive and violent, and it is always the last resort. So I said, you're not going to believe this. I'm coming home. I'm suspended. And she said, what the hell is going on? So I'm driving home, and I got to tell you, Mr. Joe is an absolute la-la land because I am my, I got my wheels turning, and I'm saying, who could have called? It had to be one of those parents. But, but I feel like I got along with all of them, and they kind of got what Mr. Joe was doing. But you know what? It had to be one of those parents. And I said, listen, a couple of days, 
maybe child protective um, services will get involved a child protection agency will get involved ask me a few questions and it'll be cleared and over with and usually would have been the day they're they're knocking on your door if something goes wrong so friday comes and i don't have any knocks on my door and i don't have any calls from work either and it was upsetting to me because i thought this was something that would be over and done with within a day or so so i had to wait the entire weekend to hear anything and Monday came and unfortunately I still didn't hear anything I said well something is going on and now guys this is where the anxiety starts to set in and it's not anxiety because I have a mental illness it's because I don't know what the hell is going on I'm saying to myself something is not right this has taken way too long and at the same token, now my paranoia is kicking in because my wife, who happens to work for me, she's still employed there, of course, and my boss is sending all kinds of weird emails asking for all of the consultant's email addresses because she wants to add them into a, a, a mail merge. And I'm saying, why would she want to do that? I said, I said I'm going to get fired from this place. My wife said, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. And you know, I guess I was to some extent at the time because, you know, when she asked for the budget numbers, it was that time of year. So I looked like a fool to my wife, you know. Why is she asking for, for financial budget numbers without me? Why is she doing all this? Stop being paranoid. Okay. So Tuesday came and that was the 31st of um, July. And I get a I get a free car wash once a month because of the new vehicle that I bought. And I said, you know what? It's the 31st. I better go get myself a car wash. Um, so I got in my car and I said, maybe this will ease my mind. I said, I can't believe these people still have not called me. So I'm in the line for the car wash and all of a sudden my phone rings. And it's my boss it's from her cell phone. I answer the phone. I said, oh. I said, hey, boss. I said, what's going on? She, and, you know, we talk, we curse, we, we, we're, we're very close, very good friends. And she's very professional on the phone. She says, hello, um, I was wondering if you had any time to come in today to discuss what transpired. And I said, sure, I'll be in in a half hour. So now, now I'm scared to death. And I'm saying to myself, what the hell is going on? Why wouldn't she just talk to me over the phone? Now I'm in shorts and flip-flops, <laughs> and I ran home. I got dressed quickly into something halfway decent because I didn't want to look like a fool when I got there. And I got there, and thank goodness they were doing some construction on the front of the building because everything that I had while I was suspended was deactivated, meaning my email. They took my iPad. They took my swipe pass to get in. I knew I couldn't get in, and the last thing I wanted to do was knock on the door or, or ring the doorbell and people to be like, why can't you get, just come in or where have you been? And, you know, I just didn't want to answer it. So I was able to sneak in through a side door and I walked through the kitchen and I kind of went over to my office and I peeked in and one of my very, very close friends was there who also shares an office with me. And she looks up at me and she says, what the heck is going on? And I said, I don't know. I said, where's boss? 
And Boz sticks her head out from behind her desk, and she says, I'm right here. I said, oh, all right. I said, well, I found you. I said, what's going on? She goes, hold on a second. She goes, I got to talk to you. I got to get somebody from HR. So now I'm waiting for my boss to go get somebody from HR, and I'm in the office and talking to my friend, and all of a sudden Mr. Joe looks over at his desk, and I start to realize that all of my personal belongings, my pictures, my knickknacks, my plants, my little vase, anything that was mine was gone. And... My boss calls me, and she says, come into this room next door. And now it's just her and I again. And as we're walking in, that red face starts up again, and a tear rolls down her eye. And she says, I am so, so, so sorry. I said, for what? What is going on? We get into the room, and it's just her and I. And we sit down, and I see a box of all my stuff. And I say, what the heck is going on? And then the HR person comes in. And my boss reads a very generic reason and says, because I use CPI, which is the restraint, out of the realm of when it would to be used, and because they could not verify my applied behavior analysis certification, this will be my last day employed with this company. And I looked at her and I said, what the heck does that mean? I said, none of that makes sense. Well, what did I do? What's CPI? What was the call? What was... We can't tell you. I said, what do you mean you can't tell me? And they gave me a piece of paper and they said, there is a grievance process if you don't agree with this. And my boss was dying. She was absolutely dying over this, sick to her stomach. They said, you can grieve and go up another level, and they suggested that I do um, grieve with the COO, and then I'll find out more information about the reason that was just given to me. So I left, I snuck out the side door with my box of stuff, called my wife, started to hysterical cry over the phone. She cried, I cried. I said, I don't understand Seven years, what is going on? I didn't do anything. I, I, I don't understand what's happening to me. And I said, well, I'm supposed to grieve. I said, what do I do? She said, call her now. So I hung up with my wife. I called. Within five minutes, I got a call back from the COO. Now it's Tuesday. She can't meet with me, she can't meet with me Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. So she says she can meet with me at 1 o'clock on Monday which was this past Monday. We are at Wednesday now. Tomorrow's Thursday. and Monday, 1 o'clock, I was to meet with my COO. So I go in, and I meet with my COO, and she is sweet as sugar, and she sits me down, and I say to her, what? She, well, first she says, I, I, I would imagine we owe you a bit of an explanation. I said, you're damn right you do. I said, please tell me what the heck is going on. And she said, well, first and foremost, she said, you, there was an anonymous phone call made about you. Um, and, wow, and you know what? I actually forgot a whole piece of this. Now, when I got home, before I, when I got fired, me and my wife were just trying to figure out who called, what could have happened. I, I mean, obviously, I'm now still thinking 
that it's somebody from this week, some mom or something that called on me. And then all of a sudden, my phone rings, and it's the district that I was working at. And I said, the superintendent calls me, and she says, are you with your company anymore? And I said, no. She goes, I just got an email from your company that you are no longer there. She said, what the heck is going on? She goes, this better not be over that incident back in October of 2017. I said, what the heck are you talking about, October of 2017? Now, in October of 2017, Mr. Joe was prompting a young girl to do a puzzle. She could not put a puzzle piece into the puzzle, and we were trying to get her to just put a little apple in its spot. It's very, very light prompting. You actually just kind of guide their elbow. And as I was guiding her elbow back in October of 2017, I felt a very weird click. And I didn't like it, and she was very behavioral, and I was concerned. You always worry about medical reasons for behaviors first before you start wondering why they're doing what they're doing. If they're in pain, that's always the first thing you want to you know, look into. So I said, please write home to Dad immediately, Mom and Dad, and let them know that I don't like the way this elbow thing feels, and you know maybe they should feel it and take a look at it, go to a doctor, because I have a funny feeling this young girl is in pain. Well, anyway, the next day I get a call from the district. They're like, Dad doesn't want you near his daughter anymore because he said, what the hell are you touching her elbow for? I said, you have got to be kidding me. Anyway, it was done and over with in 10 minutes. The school backed me. They said, don't worry about it. Just don't work with her anymore. She's leaving anyway. They're going to pull her out of the school. I called over to my boss in the office, literally called across the office. I said, oh, you're not going to believe this. Told her what happened with the elbow. I said, but they did an investigation, and within 10 minutes, I was cleared. You know, it's kind of silly. Had it all in writing, over and done with, bam, bam, boom, done. So when the district calls me, they, I said, well, I go, I think something happened this week that, you know, maybe so, so-and-so fell down, and I picked her up, and they didn't like the way I handled her. They said, no, that's not it. Your company called us asking us about, and we'll call her the elbow girl. I said, what do you mean? And she said, I told them nothing happened. And then she started screaming, those mother effers, how could they do this to you? I told them nothing happened. So now I'm even more confused, but at least now I have answers as to who the anonymous phone call was. Okay? It was clearly, so I thought, this person complaining about what I did nine months ago. Um... I just couldn't believe it. So it actually made me feel a little bit better because I said, when I go in there and I grieve on Monday, I said, this is ridiculous. I said, you know, this is just a technicality. They're going to let me get my job back. So I went in, and the first thing she says to me is, the COO, she says, well, there was an anonymous phone call. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, I was told by the school district. She goes, no, that's not who called. We got an anonymous phone call, just like Mr. Joe thought. It was one of the parents from the school that prior week, which prompted them to call the school district. School district told them that the school loved me, nothing was going on, but they also assumed that my company was calling about the incident in 2017 of October. And they're like, no, nothing happened there either. And, and my company was like, what do you mean nothing happened there either? What, what incident in October? What are you talking about? So now I got this anonymous phone call 
that came in from a week prior, um, somebody who apparently wanted to ruin my life, and now I have my backing up school, the school that's backing me, telling my company all about this incident that took place in October, which again, my boss knew all about. So when my COO sat me down, she explained all this to me. She said she found it, found it absurd that, that she didn't know about this. And I said, well, I told my boss. I said, well, what else? I said, tell me what you found here. What is this anonymous phone call? And she says to me, well, you're clear. I said, well, that's good. I said, because I was told that I use CPI incorrectly. Uh, so what is this all about? She said, well, we've looked into it, and they're all false allegations. And I started to breathe a little bit easier. I said, well, I knew that already. I know I was completely innocent. And you know what's amazing, everybody, is I don't know what feeling is worse. When you know you do something wrong, and you sit and you think about what would have happened if you just would have made the one right decision that you should have made, your entire life would have been different. Is that worse, or is it worse to have no idea what you did wrong and to know in your heart that you're a good person and that you've done nothing wrong. 28 years in this field, I have never done a thing wrong with a child, ever. It's my life. It's my passion. It's everything that I believe in. It's my love. And I said, okay, I'm cleared. So my heart started to... Stop pounding a little bit, she says, but, you know, we look through your iPad at your notes, and we're not crazy about some of the things that you wrote down. I said, well, too bad in my head. I said, I write down everything that happens, every single thing that goes on, I make a note out of it. And she brought up one particular incident where she says, you know, even there's one note where you turn around and you say, we give him a tap on the back. That doesn't look good, Mr. Joe. I said, what do you mean? I said, this is a high school student, and in his behavior plan that we wrote, we realized that he's not a baby, and he responds better to adults treating him like an adult and saying, hey, good job, and giving him a tap on the back, like, hey, buddy, good job. That's what he works for. That's his praise. I said, that's all that that means. And she said, well, that's not what it looks like in your iPad. And I'm saying to myself, oh, my God, this is a person that doesn't even know what autism is. I said, and she's questioning my strategies. But again, okay, so there's the CPI. There's the problem. And I'm, now I'm getting heated, but Mr. Joe is able to control his emotions. And I said, well, what about this ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis Certification? Well, we couldn't verify it. I said, well, here you go. And I threw down my pieces of paper. I showed her everything, and she turns to me and she says, oh, can I keep this? I said, sure. I said, sure, you can keep this. Take it. Here's my proof. What, what the hell is going on? I don't understand. I said, you ripped benefits out of my life, meaning medical, dental, and vision, on the 31st. I have a pregnant wife. I have three children, one with a chronic condition. And I said to her, and I turned around, and I said, you know what? And myself with a chronic condition, I didn't tell her I have bipolar disorder, I said, and several of your terminated employees already reached out to me because the whole industry knows what's going on, and they told me they had benefits until the end of the month. I said, you're treating me like a criminal. Oh, no, no, you, 
we love you here. You're amazing. We want you to land on your feet. And I'm saying, land on my feet. I said, what the hell is going on? Clearly, I'm still terminated. I said, I'm not getting anywhere with this person. But when I told her that somebody um, had told me that they had benefits still, she ran out of the office, ran back, and she said, you got your benefits until August 31st. I'm so sorry. We didn't mean to do that to you. We would never do that to you. Hopefully, you know, when you land on your feet, but I'm saying to myself, what, what, what is going on? I said, I am here to grieve. I said, and thus far, the two reasons that you've given me for my termination have been rectified and cleared up, and there is no reason that I should be terminated. She goes, come over here, Mr. Joan, take a look at your file. I said, okay. And here we go, everybody. Here is Mr. Joe's destiny. Seven years ago, when I wrote out my reference, she points to one of my reference, very first reference that I put down. It was for another company that I worked for privately or independently. Let's put it that way. I was not an employee. I was an independent contractor. But I still contracted with them for many, many years. And she says, look down here at this person's... Um, what she says about you. And it was great. I had actually never seen that comment. I guess when they check the references, you know, they send it over, or people write what they want to write, and she said amazing things. And she looks at me, my COO, and she said, she said some great things. She thought you were wonderful, like we all think here. And I'm saying to myself, all right, what the, what the heck is going on here? She goes, however, after the investigation, which we have investigated every single part of you because our quality assurance department needs to investigate when there are situations such as this and there are allegations, we have to investigate. And we went through everything. And when we got to your reference, we called this company and apparently you were six months off on your date. I said, what, what do you mean six months off? I said, six months too long or six months too little? She says, well, I don't really know. Let me take a look. And she goes, up. She goes, you said you started in January, but you really started in June. And she said, so you were six months too early. In other words, I put down, I made a mistake. I put down that I started six months too early. Now, keep in mind, everybody, that I worked at this particular place for ten and a half years, according to my reference. So really, because of my error, it was 10 years. Does anybody in their right mind think that I would put down an extra six months just to get some more credit? I mean, what does it matter? What does it matter? 10 years, 9 years, 7 years? Who cares? When I write down references and I am unsure as to when I started, I always put down January of the first year that I worked there. I don't remember when I started. And let me tell you something. When I first got this job, I was coming off Suboxone. And I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm telling you as my audience where I was at. I had just been kicked out of my home. I had just been let back into my home. I had no job. I replied to this place. I was coming off Suboxone. I've told the story a million times. I did three interviews, each one worse than the next in terms of my Suboxone withdrawal. Somehow got the job and made it through. And I looked at this woman and I said, you have got to be kidding me. I said, this is six months. I said, and, and listen, everybody, I know it's a long time because I Googled this stuff up. And the only thing I could find was that when you are doing this and trying to get a job, six months is a big deal. 
And I get that. Not such a big deal when you work for a company for nine years or ten years or ten and a half years. Who cares? None of that matters. Six months doesn't make or break your position. It was clearly an error. And especially when you made the error seven years ago. And I said, well, nothing, nothing. Doesn't this fall on your HR department? She says, absolutely. She said, they're next. We're going to have a big talk with them because clearly they didn't check your dates. So I said, okay, so let me get this straight. I go, we've been sitting here for a very long time. I go, could you please tell me why I was terminated the other day? And she pats that little piece of paper with the dates of six months incorrect. And she says, because of this. And I looked at her and I said, and this is, this is where Mr. Joe's um, medication, we could say Mr. Joe's medication definitely works because there would have been a time in my life that I probably would have flipped that table over and bashed that woman's head through a wall, okay? But I didn't. I looked at her in the eyes and I said to her, COO, I walked in here today with my head held very high. And I said, and I am going to walk out with my head very, very high. And she said, and you should, because you have been amazing. And I said, I've been amazing. I said, if you value me so much, what the hell are you getting rid of me for? I did nothing wrong. She didn't have an answer for me. And she said, you know what I can do for you? She said, I want you to land on your feet. There she is again with her land on her feet crap. And she said, would you be better off resigning? I said, well, I don't want to resign. I said, I want to be here. I got to tell you, though, in my head, I'm saying to myself, what the hell do I want to be in this place for? What do I want to be here for if this is how they treat people? If I stay here now, what's going to happen in five years or ten years? They're going to do this to me anyway. And I said, well... I said, if you're telling me I'm probably going to be terminated, she said, oh, no, you're going to be terminated. I said, then I want to resign. She gave me a pad. She gave me a pen. I wrote down a resignation letter, and uh, I handed it in. She walked me downstairs. We shook hands, and we said goodbye. And Mr. Joe is no longer employed. No longer employed now. The superintendent at the school that has been involved, by the way, the elbow girl, the parents are suing this girl. And I have to imagine I'm collateral damage. I would imagine that I'm somewhere invested or involved because I was the behavior consultant on this case. Mind you, again, two years after the elbow incident where all I wanted to do was help. That's all. I wasn't caressing her elbow. I wasn't feeling this little girl's arm up. I was prompting her by the elbow to put a puzzle piece in so I could cheer for her when she was successful, felt something that was very disturbing, and I wrote home to her dad to tell her, what the heck is he touching my daughter for? And by the way, you had to see my notes, what he pulled out of my notes. And one, I never got to see this, but there was one part where he said, I laid her down at the, nurse, the nurse's office. He just pulled that sentence out. I looked like a pedophile. And then when you look at my notes, 
It says, consultant walked down to the nurse's office with gym teacher and teacher's assistant because child registered 101 degree temperature, got into the nurse's office, and the nurse wanted the child to lay down, so consultant tapped the cot with his hand to prompt her to lay down and was able to get her to lay down. Didn't put my hands on her, just kind of tapped the bed and went, here you go, lay down. <laughs> so I looked like an animal, okay? But thank God, again, this was all part of the investigation. I was cleared. My notes are there. Nothing is wrong. This is just a very, very angry man who, and, and again, listen, I wish them peace. I wish them peace. I want them to find peace because they are very, very sad. This is a very, very disabled, um, and, and I don't even want to use that word, impaired very low functioning, a very sad situation, breaks my heart. But to ruin other people's lives because your lives are not right is just beyond my imagination. And whoever called in to do this to me is just my beyond my imagination. I mean, don't you inquire about why I'm doing this and what the reasonings are and the principal had nothing but great things to say. The the program manager, they were devastated that I never came back because Mr. Joe never showed up again back at that school. So anyway, the superintendent actually pulled the contract from my old company. <laughs> she actually sent me the email that she sent to my boss, and she said, I am very disturbed by this news. Mr. Joe is the only reason why we were, are with your agency to begin with. Please call me in the morning to discuss. And, you know, me and my boss... Are, um, you, she, st she would not text me throughout this entire process because they would have checked her phone because she has a company phone. They would probably would have checked on her because you're not allowed to talk to somebody when they're suspended. Um, and you know she wouldn't take that chance. But once she, once I was gone, she started texting me like a madman, and she told me that you know the company. The district pulled the contract, and unfortunately, that's not going to be the end for them. There's going to be a lot of bad things that go on, but the um, superintendent already got me another interview. It'll be happening this Friday for a competing company, and as a matter of fact, I spoke with the owner for about an hour and a half the other day, and we actually have known each other for about seven years. We That, that um, event that I go away for on an annual basis um, she's been there every year and you know we compete with her when I was at my old company um, now listen I was making very very good money at this particular place very good money uh, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned I'm very scared because I know I'm not going to be offered that kind of money we are in a terrible terrible position here I'm going to be 43 years old I have no job my poor wife took off from school this year again because I was doing so well and she had the position with me. Thank goodness they didn't fire her and they said to me, that was one of the other things the COO said. We said, we are not getting rid of your wife. We love her. I said, well, thank God for that because that's our only source of income right now. So we are absolutely devastated. And I will tell you this, that I spent many, many days crying. Many, many days concerned for my family. You know, you want to talk about thinking the worst, making a mountain out of a molehill. <laughs> we all do this, and we've talked about this, just 
coming up with the absolute worst case scenario that you can imagine. And I am petrified, absolutely petrified. Thank goodness I got the insurance until the end of the month. Also, what I did was I applied for state insurance. And apparently, um, I know many of you may think that you know where Mr. Joe is from, um, but you probably don't. Okay, believe me, you probably don't. And in my particular state, it was actually a piece of cake based on the fact that I had no job anymore. I was ready to claim unemployment benefits or insurance. Which, by the way, <laughs> that was another trick because now that I resigned, I probably can't even claim. But you better believe that I wrote to the unemployment department and told them that it was not a voluntary resignation, that I was given an ultimatum. But that's a, I know I'm a little all over the place here. Um, but, you know, think in the worst case scenario. Think in the worst case scenario. But I'm hoping that I did everything correctly. It appears that I was able to get benefits for my three children. Unfortunately, I'm still waiting on my wife, and that's really important because after the 31st of August, you know, she's pregnant. She's got to get in there. I need something for her. Now, the other option is, and I've spoken to you all very many, many times about my independent own business that I used to have. And essentially what I would do is I would run around from home to home, school to school, which is kind of what I did anyway at this particular place, just not even half as much. I mean, literally, if I did it 100% of the time when I was employed on my own, with my own business, I did it about 15% of the time at my other position. You know, the other 30% I was out training. The other 20% I was out doing seminars and speaking. Um, and then the other remaining percentage, I was doing all my administrative work, whether it be contracting, marketing, um, you know, just shooting the breeze with all the big shots, which thank goodness, thank goodness I have them in my corner and I've developed these amazing relationships with all what we call the special education directors and the superintendents and thank God I developed those relationships, but it, it, this is it. This is it. I don't have a job. Mr. Joe does not have a job. Mr. Joe does not have income. Mr. Joe does not have insurance. Mr. Joe cannot pay the mortgage. Mr. Joe cannot pay his child support. Now, I got my one last check. My wife will be getting paid. Everything is normal right now because I did get that one last check minus a Friday. Um, so right now, it's almost like nothing has happened. But in a couple of weeks, when I'm supposed to get paid again, what am I to do? What am I to do? And I don't like to expose how much money I can make, but I had, a, again, I had a very good salary. If I go back to doing independent contracting work, which, you know, at 43 is not going to be easy because I spent a lot of time in little baby chairs. <laughs> what I mean by that is you sit with little kids, you, you know, birth through 21 little babies sometimes and you sit in these little chairs and you teach them and you know I'm getting old I don't know how much I could sit on a floor anymore and play with cars and you know although I got plenty of practice here with my 15, 15 month old um, and I'll have some more practice again come March of 2019 um, but you know I just I, I loved where I was and I planned on retiring from there 
I thought about pulling my retirement funds, but I was told that if, you know, I got to pay taxes at the end of the year, I don't know anything about that stuff. So I'm just going to leave it in there. And the other thing is, and again, I don't like to talk about how much money I make, but I'll give it to you straight up. If I did my independent contracting work, I make $65 an hour. That's a lot of money. That's more than some physicians make. The problem is, number one, they don't take taxes out, so you've got to get into that habit of paying quarterly taxes, and then you know, you file a 1099 at the end of the year. There's a lot you've got to do, and I'm very good at that stuff. I mean, I don't do it myself, but I know, the, I know the game. I know the tricks. I know how it works, but you know, it's a lot of work, and most importantly, I don't have benefits, and I would have to pay for benefits, and medical benefits are astronomical when you have your own business. I mean, we lost our dental, we lost our vision. We have nothing. We have nothing. But you know what we do have? We have our health. Mr. Joe has his health. And today, on August 8th of 2018, with no job, no money, no benefits... Mr. Joe can say proudly that I have my mental health, that I have my physical health, that my beautiful wife is pregnant. We're going to bring a precious person into this world, that my 12-year-old, soon-to-be-13 son is doing well with his Crohn's and his ulcerative colitis. My little baby, 15 months old, has been developing perfectly. My daughter, going to be 15 years old. Did I call my little baby 15 years old? I hope I said 15 months. My my daughter, who's going to be 15 in October, high honor roll, a good girl, pain in the butt, like every other teenage girl out there, but a damn good kid, And, and all of them are healthy. All of them are healthy. And I have to tell you, again, I told you I did a lot of crying. I did a lot of thinking. Had a lot of anxiety. Had a lot of depression. And again, it was not... There's a very big difference between bipolar depression and anxiety as compared to what I had this past couple of weeks. Imagine this. Again, promotion. Three days later, suspension. Four days later, after wondering why you're suspended. Termination. Waiting six days to now meet again, hoping that you'll get your job back for a grievance, only to find out that you're not getting your job back. So you're talking about an extended period of time where I went through absolute hell. Absolute hell. And I dealt with all the common emotions that any human being on this earth would feel. And I made it through. And here I am. I'm able to podcast. And I'm really, really sorry, guys, that it took me this long. I didn't have... I honestly could not have podcasted and told this story without hysterically crying. So that's why you haven't heard from me. And and I have tried. I've tried. I've tried to hit the record button. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Uh, But I'm at a point now where I have closure, if that makes any sense. I know I'm not going back, I know I'm done, I know I'm gone, and I know somehow, some way, i got to pull it together, i got to figure it out. 
And there's a part of me that in comparison to what we do, especially with bipolar disorder, some of the mental health problems that we have when we take situations and get paranoid and think the absolute worst is going to happen. And believe me, I've already been there. I'm not going to make money. I'm gonna, not going to pay child support. I'm going to be in jail. I'm never going to see my kids, blah, blah, blah. Absolute worst case scenario. We paint a picture for ourselves that is just devastating. You know what? Here's the attitude that I am going to have. Three months from now, I'm going to look back at this particular situation. I'm going to say, now I know why I went through that. Now I know why what happened happened. Because here I am, that door closed and another door opened, and this is what I was supposed to do, and this is why I have this job now. I'm still scared to death about the money, guys. I really am. I, I really am. I'm scared to death. But I have that interview Friday. Let's hope that it goes well and that maybe, maybe listen, maybe it'll be, you know, within a range that will be affordable in terms of salary-wise and if not, i got to start over and think about what I have to do, take the weekend, figure it out. Do I go independent? I applied to three different special education positions today. One is a classroom for autism. I haven't been in a school, dear God, since 2001. And, and I don't mean as I, I'm in schools for the last 28 years. What I mean is as a teacher. Um, so I haven't taught a class. I've been a behavior consultant for God only knows how long, but I haven't actually taught in a very long time. I'm talking about close to 18 years that I've stood up in a classroom and taught, but I think I could do it. I could certainly do it with autism. Um, you know, regular special education. I'm, uh, I, I think I think I could do that too. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to figure it out. And then there's the other part of me that says, do I really want to be in this field anymore? Because every four to seven to ten years, I feel like I'm getting accused of something. Because in this field, it is such a sensitive situation. You know, you're dealing with children. You're dealing with children with disabilities. And people just don't know. You have a lot of parents that are in denial. You have a lot of parents and people that don't know why we do the things that we do, why we touch them the way that we touch them. Um, you know, why we restrain them the way that we do. But, again, Mr. Joe has lost it all, for the most part. But I still have my health. And I am eternally grateful for that particular thing. I'm, I'm so glad that you hung in this has been a long one guys i'm really really sorry we went about an hour today had a lot to discuss we are going to get back into it i promise you hey listen i got no job i got nothing better to do than podcast so you expect me every day or so to get on this podcast and talk to you we're going to get back to our mental health issues i will update you daily or every other day on how i'm feeling where i'm at in this particular journey that we are taking on now together and uh you know i'll keep you guys posted on everything thank you so much for listening guys in closing i want to say that if you are living with a mental illness continue to work hard 
If you love somebody, if you care about somebody with a mental illness, I ask you that you continue to support that person in the best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness or an addiction, I ask you to keep fighting and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I'll see you again real soon.